amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Restoring Grace Radio on blogtalkradio.com. My name is David Fournier, Senior Instructor here at Restoring Grace. Thank you for joining us either live or on archives. Restoring Grace Radio is here to provide online lessons about the Christian faith, our history, our documents, and how to express our faith to a very needy world. Thank you for listening, and now, on to our broadcast. Blessings of Hashem be upon you. My name is David Fournier. I'm the senior instructor here at Restoring Grace, and welcome to Zohar in 15 show. So the next 15 minutes, we'll be talking about working with God for repairing the world. That's working with God for repairing the world. Now, we live in a world that, if you think about it, it's kind of like three worlds. Now, the world in Kabbalah is commonly referred to as the Malkut, the, the part that we touch, but there are three unique things about our words. Our thought, world, I'm sorry, our thoughts, our words, and our actions. Now, our thoughts, often are what connects us to the upper world, the kingdom of heaven, uh, prayer, you know, talking to God, communicating with, with God. And it can also connect us to other worlds, so negativity, the satan, lack of certainty, uh, sin, disobedience, thing, other things. Our thoughts are kind of where all things start. So we have the world of our thoughts. Now, these thoughts can be very positive, uh, how I feel about somebody, uh, helping somebody out, Thinking about, you know, moving forward in my life, they can be negative, too. They can take you either direction. The second kind of world that we work in is we work in the world of our words, the words that come out of our mouth. Now, words, by the way, they're the process of creation. They create everything. If you think about the creation of the world, God's ten utterances that he said, let there be, let there be, the, the words came out. Now, I'm pretty sure God could have accomplished all that without actually saying it, but I think there's a reason why the Bible records that he said these things, because there's tremendous power in words. Words are something that can build people up. They can change the way people think or see something. Uh, they can communicate an experience that one person's had that another one hasn't. For example, hey, how do you get to Castle Rock? And somebody says, oh, you go north on the I-25. Where do you want to go? I want to see this. Oh, that's over here. I've been there. It's great. Words communicate a tremendous amount of power. They also bring a tremendous amount of, account- of accountability. Somebody says, I'm going to go on a diet, and I'm going to lose 30 pounds. And you know what's going to happen is people are going to come to you and say, hey, how's that diet going? They would have never known if it never left your thought life, if it just stayed in your thoughts in that world. Now, the last part of it is, so the first is the world of thought. The second is the world of our words, which is the process of creation, how things happen. I want you to think about those words I'll talk about. I'll make you back that little see. Uh, and last of all is the world of our actions. And these are the manifestations of our thoughts and our words. Or somebody says, you know, I, I think I'll go to breakfast tomorrow. You know, and 
and they say, hey, tomorrow morning I'm going to go to breakfast. I'm going to go to Denny's. That's where I want to go. Then there's the actual action of, you know, getting in your car, driving to Denny's, and eating. By the way, that is a shameless plug for Denny's because I love that place. Now, these actions are manifestations of our thoughts and words, but they're actually the manifestations of the proof of where your heart's at. If you keep saying you're, you're thinking you're going to do something, you're saying you're going to do something, but not doing it, the proof is where your heart lies is it's not going to get done. Now, connecting with God, and this is a word I want you to really focus in on with me, connecting with God or having affinity with the Creator. When you have a chance, go look that word up at the dictionary. Some really cool explanations. But I want to make sure that we understand that I'm not suggesting the idea that we become God or we become gods. I'm talking about that there's a God-like portion in us where we can become like God. We can have his nature of sharing. We can have compassion. But often in our Zohar reading that we're going to see today, there's tremendous power in having the affinity with the creator. And that's the end goal of every student of, the, of Kabbalah. Every student wants to have affinity with the creator. We want to be like God, not be God. We want to be like God. Now, when you listen to people talk about their relationships with God, they often address their relationship kind of like they work for him. We're working for God. Um, there's not a lot of things in the Bible that tell me that God is our spiritual employer, that he's somebody that you get up every morning and go to work for. Kind of, you know, disconnected from the actual feelings and the true signs of having a relationship. When we read some of the things that, uh, that God has to say, and we're going to be reading from Jeremiah here in just a little bit, but when we read some of the things that God has to say about us, it doesn't sound like an employer. It doesn't sound like, hey, uh, I want you guys to clock in at 7 o'clock in the morning. Uh, we'll do lunch about 11.30. 6 o'clock or so, we're going to be off. Um, maybe we'll go out for drinks later. I don't know. We'll see. When you really look at the relationship that God is promoting, the one that God is talking about in scriptures, it's a relationship of love, of compassion, of sharing. We'll talk a lot about that in just a minute. We need to ask ourselves a question. I mean, and this is a, this is a really great question. I'm not sure we can always get the answer right, but at least we could talk about it. And that is this question is, why did God create the world? I mean, what was wrong with being God? What was it about him? I mean, God has no need. It's not like God was suffering. He's like, oh, I'm so lonely, and I just need to be around people. And there's nothing we can do that God has no want, but he has a desire. God has a desire to share himself with us. His essence, his light, his presence, he wanted to share it. Now, in order to do that, that's why there's so much conversation in the Bible about a vessel. He needed someplace to place that, and that's where humans come into play. So the idea is that God wanted to share himself with us, his life. And so he created us as beings with a desire to receive. Everybody follow me? And in this desire to receive, he wanted to have a work, a work relationship or a working relationship. He wanted to have a working relationship. He wanted to share. He wanted to love. He wanted to grant compassion, care, kindness, forgiveness. He wanted to give, bestow those things upon his creation. And the question is, why? Because we can have affinity with him. We could share like qualities and kind with him. Now, there's two main reasons why this happens. The first reason is, is to perform a radical transformation of our natures. Um, you know yourself very well. I know myself very well. And we can be very selfish people. We can be very jealous people. We can take that desire to receive and turn it to a desire to receive for self alone. I want, I get, this is mine. If I'm going to do something for you, you're going to do something for me. 
it becomes a desire to receive just to gain, just to get things. And I know that I'm like that at times in my life. I know you can be like that in times of your life. And we know people that are like that all the time in their life. But the desire to receive on its own is not evil. Because God gave us a desire to receive, but he wants us to be, have the desire to receive for the sake of others. To be able to share God's love, God's compassion, God's sharing nature, God's kindness with other people. There's nothing wrong with that. As a matter of fact, he made room in his creation and room for us. It's not evil to have a desire, but he placed that desire to make room for, uh, in us for him so that we would share. And the concept, if you think about Jesus, freely you received, so freely you give. Freely you received it, freely you give it. Interesting concept. Now I want to read to you, we're reading from Zohar, Volume 1, Prologue, Chapter 16, called uh, As Among Us All the Wise Men. We're on page 97, and we're going to be reading verses 163 and 164. But I want you to listen to this. It's very interesting how this plays out. I said to him, verse 163, remember these rabbis are traveling around. They just got done with the donkey rider, and they're learning all this stuff. I said to him, what you have said is definitely correct, that among the wise men of of Israel, there's no equal to him, speaking of Hashem, because who raises the dead and brings him back to life? It is the Holy One, blessed be he, alone. Yet, Elisha and Elijah came and raised the dead back to life. Who causes the rain to fall? It is the Holy One, blessed be he, alone. Yet, Elijah came and prevented the rain, then caused it to fall through his prayer. Who made the heavens and earth? It was the Holy One, blessed be he, alone. Yet, Abraham came and introduced the heavens and earth to be properly established in honor of Hashem. This is part of that partnership, that relationship that I'm talking about. Notice that God alone has the power to make it rain, but yet working through him as his people, it rained. God alone has the power to raise someone from the dead, yet working through him, we were able, Elijah, Elisha, were able to raise someone from the dead. Now, I know immediately, slow down. I'm not talking about that we should be running around and and we should be raising people from the dead and calling for rain. It's raining here in Colorado Springs right now. Don't need to call for it. It's here. But there's a point running behind this. Most people are caught up in the amazing story of me with little or no concern about social inequality, the poor, the disenfranchised, or even simply sharing, which, by the way, simply sharing is being like God. Michael Berg writes, in our souls, we're already like God. But because we're set apart from God's nature of sharing, we suffer and die. Just in the act of sharing alone. You know, I want you to think about, we think about the power of God working through people. That's not really what we're talking about here. What we're talking about is that God's abilities, God's uh, workmanship, God's creative powers are available to us, not just to go shake the world down and do these miracle things, but like think about what one thing Jesus talked about. If you had faith, you could move mountains. I don't know about you, but that sounds particularly dangerous to me. To have 130 million people running around the planet, they have the ability to pick mountains up and cast them into the sea. That's what he says. But I wonder if there's something a little more deeper there. I wonder if there's something a little more meaningful than just being able to cast mountains. Now, when you look out my window of my home, you have a beautiful view. I'm going to turn around real quick and look. Yes, there it is. You have a beautiful view of Pikes Peak. I mean, the kind of view that I think a lot of people would just simply be jealous of. Now, if tomorrow morning some guy got up and prayed and he somehow cast Pikes Peak into the ocean, be quite a throw – when I got up tomorrow and I looked, it would not be there. 
it would actually be very different how Pike's, how my landscape would look. What if Jesus was actually referring to the idea that through sharing, through prayer, through faith, we could change the landscape? What if it wasn't just about picking up mountains and tossing them into the ocean? What if it was about changing the landscape? Because I'll tell you right now, we live in a time where we need to see the landscape changed. We really do. We need to see the landscape changed. Because so many people are caught up in the amazing story of me, not me, them, what you got it, right? Because they're so caught up in that story, they forget that there's things around them that we could be changing by acts of kindness, by acts of sharing. And by the way, the most godlike we can become is not raising from the dead, it's simply sharing. It's about having the kind of faith to realize that we could stomp out poverty, we could stomp out disease, we could stomp out hunger. We could stop out famine. We could stop out the need for clean water. We could actually achieve those things in our lifetimes if we simply have the technology, we have the resources, if we simply had the will to do it. If that became our thing, instead of holding a protest somewhere with a bunch of signs on a Saturday afternoon and then absolutely no follow-up or doing anything, what about actually getting involved? What about caring about the immigrant issue? What about caring about people who are going to lose medical insurance? Uh, again, this is not a political show, and I apologize for that. But these are real-life people who are real-life suffering, and people connected to God would be the ones who would be sharing to make a difference in their lives. Now, by walking with God and being obedient to his commands, his laws, and his precepts, we're working with him. We're working with him. And by the way, let me read uh, just quickly verse one, uh, 164. Who governs the Son? It's the Holy One. Blessed be he alone. Yet Joshua came and silenced it commanded it to stand still in its place, and he stood in silence. It is written, and the sun stood still, and the moon stayed, Joshua ten thirteen. What I'm saying is that we have the opportunity, not through tremendous acts of power, I will throw that mountain into the ocean, but through acts of sharing, actually caring about what happens. And why do we do that? Remember, reason one was to change our nature. Reason number two is to join on the great adventure of repairing the world, a transformation of this world from pain and suffering into a world of hope, welfare for all, and the elimination of death. Let me read to you Jeremiah 29, uh, verses 11. There we go. Verses 11 to 14. I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. And then you will call upon me and, I, and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me, and you will search for me with all your heart. And I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I will restore your fortunes and will gather you from the nations and from the places where I've driven you. And I'll bring you back to the place where I sent you into exile. The point here is that we can make a difference in this world by simply connecting to that nature of God that shares, to the nature of God that cares, instead of just simply living just so we can die, instead of just listening to this amazing story of me, joining God on the adventure, the power to get it done is there. The connection is there. All we have to do is seek God and say, I want to see the end of the blank. Whatever it is important to you, and he's going to have that happen. Thank you so much for listening to me. My name is David Fournier. I'm the senior instructor here at Restoring Grace. We'll catch you next time in the Zohar for 15 show.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.